For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode, according to his Wikipedia page anyway, uh, is a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer, an MC, and a host. He's originally from Victoria, but we are now claiming him uh, as one of our own here in Western Australia. And we've got a lot to get through in the next hour as we uncover the inspiring story of Peter Rosethorn. How are you, Pete? Oh, Timmy, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> you know how happy I am to be here. Um, I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. That's good. All those things that I mentioned you at the start there, comedian, mm. actor, writer, MC, yeah, in any particular order? Or Is that gee, about right? It's interesting. I ever wrote down, I'm a teacher too, by the way, by trade. Yes. I didn't even put on the don't, list. Don't jump the gun here, mate. Oh, I've got my notes. <laughs> sorry. I know my own bio, mate. Uh, Look, I probably stand up just from the weight of numbers. Yep. I would have to put that first. I prefer acting over it. Do you? And I can think I'm a better actor than I am stand-up comic. Yeah. Um, Writer. Uh, loose. Yeah. I write my own stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, a lot of that's just made up yeah. on the spot. Um, what else do they put it? Presenter? M- MC? Oh, MC a lot. Yeah, you know, a I lot. Do, I do a lot yeah. of that. And I don't think You're I'm actually, man. I don't think I'm actually that good at it. Well, I am. I'm, I do it. I do a lot of it. Yeah. But I'm not. Um, you I'm go not, off script a bit. I'm no Tim McMillan. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no smooth, no smooth I think presentation. People would book you and me for vastly different events. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not doing the government events. No, I do the, the boring end, ones. Australian of the not, Year sorry, ones. I apologise to anyone who's, <laughs> who's booked me there. No, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. You're good at the nuts and bolts. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm getting better at that. But uh, I do enjoy them. Because, look, you know. All aspects of that list are in my are in my ballpark, yeah. And I love my industry so much, and I love what I do so much. Mm. I'm just happy to be in the game still, yeah. So that's why I'm doing this show. Well, you know, very much in the game. <laughs> let's let's just reflect on what you've been doing over the summer. You've you've dragged your daughter up on stage oh, with you. How's how's that been going? That's been an ongoing project. Yeah. So she she came to me. Uh, about uh, two years ago, when she was sixteen, mm-hmm. saying, "Would would like giving stand up comedy a go?" And she's she's always been a bit of a student of it in terms of yeah. coming along with me to you know uh, you know little country gigs or whatever, and helping me set up the PA and being the door bitch and my roadie and stuff, as all the kids have done. Yeah. But um, none of them had expressed an interest to actually do it. And she said, "I wouldn't mind giving it a go." So I went to the sale and anchored down in Frio. And uh, it's a brutal venue. Very, very small. <laughs> Not many people go. Unforgiving. And they're a very unforgiving audience. So we don't care. Yeah. They come to see you crash and burns. Yeah. And she got up and I thought, wow, she's, she can actually do it. She wasn't, she wasn't particularly funny, but she had a mojo about her. She had a yeah. thing that of, um, of knowing where she was at. Do you see stage. a bit of your style in, in her style? No, she's or is quite, it different. quite different. Yeah, she's much more, it doesn't move. I move a lot. You're a very physical. Very I, physical. Yeah. Yes. Like you, you must be exhausted after your some of your routines. I was sweating the other night. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually sweating. Yeah. I used to sweat. I used to be dripping wet when I came on. I can, you I know, can like imagine. Richard, Richard Pryor style back in the early mm. 80s. He had a fantastic video. Pouring off him. Where, yeah, he was yeah. moving a lot. He was one of my. One of my favourites. So that, yeah. in that sense, a lot of comics don't move, so it puts you aside and puts you in your own little movement category. You yeah. move a lot, you you stand out. 
Anyway, so she's starting to move a little bit, but she's got yep. quite a different feel. She mm. talks about herself. She talks about being a teenager. She talks about my, me as a parent, mm. you know, me falling over. Parental old people kissing. <laughs> yeah. Know, all that stuff that teens go, oh, that's like, it's gross. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. to the, So it's really nice. We've got quite different audiences. She gets my audience mm. at the festival. So so I've, I haven't done a festival for years, like an official show show. Yep. The last time I did a festival was 1987. With the right. The Fringe doing Let the Blood Run Free, which is an old stage show, which went to a TV show later. But anyway, um, so she really to get her airtime because yeah. COVID hit and she lost all of her mm. access to any of those pubs to practice. Yeah. And we went on a little tour because Perth being Perth and WA being WA and being so well handled, we opened up regionally in August. So we went on a little regional tour just with us, some couple other comics. So she was doing strange, you know, community halls and, you know, theatres and pubs and so she's getting a she had a good look at 17 mm. feels like to go in the car and go to a really horrible hotel rooms <laughs> so I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get into those sheets frankie did, did part of you want to take her aside and go let's focus on something else it's a career or are you quite happy for her to pursue it oh i'm happy for it it's yeah. she's good at, if she's good and i think she will be good she'll it opens up a lot of doors. It'll open yeah. up doors to theatre, like it has done for me. It's how, how I it was my back door into everything. Yeah, musical, comedy, uh, theatre, film, uh, radio. Yep. So you know, she's so doing a radio course at TAFE to sort of you know for, to something else. Yeah, and I say you know you have to get a real job. You can't you know it's not that, <laughs> not <Yeah>. that lucrative <laughs> after the festival. You probably won't have a lot on. You back down to fifty bucks a you know a gig. If, and she's getting paid. She got paid before she was 18. She got 50 bucks to do a show at the yeah. Lounge here. So I was re I'm really proud of her. She's really trying hard and she creates and she, uh, she in she's very inventive, which is great. Yeah. Excellent. Um, let's go back to your early days. You, you grew up in, in Melbourne. Mm. Um, what was family life like for you as a youngster? Because from what I've uh, learned about you, you know, like your, your, your dad was a pretty successful uh, businessman. Would you say you lived a fairly you know, comfortable, almost lavish life Ooh. as a youngster? Uh, I grew up in Mount Waverley, southeastern suburbs. My yeah. dad had came off, he was in the Merchant Navy when I was born. Yeah. So he came off the ships uh, when I was born because there was just too many kids and he was away for five months. And, mm. and he just got, I don't know if he got tired of the lifestyle, but I don't know what happened. But anyway, he came home and um, he loved being at sea. Mm. And he worked down a web dock on the docks when, mm -hmm. he, got, when he got back. He was a foreman there. And um, so he came, he was quite humble in his beginnings as a businessman. Mm. And, uh, but he knew sea trade and he got involved with um, transport. And, uh, but as he was a volatile father, he was, he was a traditional. Yeah, um, old school. Old school, distant, um, right mm. across the back of the head. A lot of tough love. <laughs> By intimidation. Yeah. Oh my God, he's home. Everyone scatters. He, right. <laughs> you know? There was lots of fights and there was lots of, you know, just tension around him. Yeah. So he shaped, he shaped me as a father and he shaped me. Um, he also uh, shaped me to be driven, I think, as well. Yeah. So he, he shaped me as a, in a father in the sense of I want, don't want to be that guy. Right. I don't want yeah. my kids to run into their rooms when I get home. <laughs> I can't I imagine run, they would. I want to run to me, not yeah. away from me. But one of them, that's it, one of them's gone. <laughs> the rest are here. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's so that tension, I never wanted a house that was full of that tension and fear of your dad. Yeah. And he didn't like it, I don't think. I don't think mm. he, he, he necessarily wanted it, but he was just a volatile cat. He was didn't a, know any other way. No, he, he has, he had his own background issues because his dad, um, had committed suicide when he was a young boy Wow! because he came back from world war one and, uh, 
he remembers him, but he just got he then he just vanished. Yeah, he, he said he used to ask the questions on him. Everything was burnt. Photographs, um, you know, all records of him were taken out of the house, and he was just gone. Mm. And so whenever my father would question it, my my nana would go, he died. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. just just bad. that. He had a heart attack. He's dead. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't. He didn't find until he suicided until he, he was in his fifties. Right. So I'm probably about my age now. A little bit younger, maybe. But anyway, so he was just, and he didn't like his mum, and he didn't hated his stepfather, and he used to hit him with a horse whip, and so he had his own upbringing, which he tipped over. He yeah. would have thought, comparison to what he had, yeah, he was a great dad. Yeah. <laughs> so he wanted to do. He's a own, teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. He just <laughs> wanted to up the ante. But yeah. he, he was. But he, what it did was give me a chance to be a. I was really good at cutting mood. So if the house was tense. I would do something stupid to lighten it. Yeah, you know, because I was the youngest by about six, seven years. Yeah, I had the, I had the, the you know, you could get away with the stuff. room. Yeah, yeah to do some, yeah. do some stupid stuff, and I would try and just alleviate the disturbing yeah. feel. Yeah, <laughs> um, Trinity Grammar School. Yeah, is yeah, where okay. you, uh, you know, got your early education. What sort of a place is that? Uh, is I wasn't. I went Waving North State School was we left up went over there when I was grade six I think to mm -hmm. see, go to Trinity. Uh, my grandfather paid for our education but didn't pay for the girls because <laughs> girls are right? worth it. Wow. <laughs> they're gonna waste it. They're gonna be housewives. Wow. So that was weird. So he um, uh, so that was odd. But anyway, Trinity was a all boys school um, sport. Focused, academic focused at that at that time of the seventies. Yeah. But I liked it in the sense that Trinity was the only private school in Melbourne that took all the expelled kids from all the hoity ones. Oh, right. So we had a we had a really good so all the <laughs> all the kids are real trouble ended up at Trinity. So we had a lot of long hairs and you know we had yeah. there was a bit of pot being smoked and stuff like that and had a real sort of you know rough house. We didn't win all the sports. We weren't great. Um, but uh, by the time I left, we got a, the ex headmaster from. Geelong Grammar and moved in. Everything swung to the other direction. To yeah, right. A proper I just had to school. wait until you were done there before. <laughs> That's it, which I was so happy I got out of there. <laughs> and I wasn't a great student. I was academically really poor. Just, I didn't. My brain, yeah. my brain didn't work that way. Yeah. I just loved life and not really working at all. And Yeah. So I failed school pretty badly. Yeah. Then I repeated and went back and then I got my got teaching yeah. up there. And you ended up in the classroom. Yeah. Also as a teacher. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> Another wise decision. You fumbling fool. I, no, it's sort of, uh, I, I didn't, I just wanted to show my, I actually always wanted to be an actor. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't tell my folks that that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. He said, like, they got, were pretty good by the end of school. I said, okay, give it a go, but get a proper job. So yeah. teaching was my proper job. Yeah. All right. We'll get into that more right after we take a break, Pete. This is Inspiring Stories. Peter Rosethorn is our special guest. We'll be back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. And we are hearing the inspiring story of uh, comedian Peter Rosethorn. Uh, Pete, how did you find the classroom? What were you What were you teaching, and how did you find it? Well, look, I was a drama teacher, so of um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went for the obvious. Um, I was well, I, did, well, I was doing drama and dance at university. Dance, yes, I was a modern wow. dancer. I did well, I've seen some of your dance. moves. Oh, you like too? What on I was stage? And... Really good for uh, learning about body control. It wasn't. It was yeah. bad. It was good yeah. for that. The flexibility. Um, and also just timing and rhythms yep. and stuff like that. So there's a, 
But, um, you know, I used to rock out with my leg warmers on and my tights. It was when fame was out. Mate. Was, yeah. You couldn't figure out a better time to be a dancer. <laughs> Looking out in my crop tops and my tights, going to the pub. Flash dance, Going to the Rose Notting Hill Hotel yeah. in, my, in my leg warmers. Gutsy call. This. Yeah, lot of, lot of it was Melbourne. Warmers. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, look, I, I, I enjoyed college. So I, um, I started doing comedy when I was at college. Yep. And uh, I'd got to the end of third year and I was – pretty distracted by um, showbiz and mm. the comedy scene. And so I left I left the course and then after about six months I went, oh, hang on, this showbiz thing doesn't go anywhere. I better go back and finish that. <laughs> so I went back and finished it and got my degree. And so yeah. that's probably, so I've already been very happy I've got a degree in my back pocket for yeah. something else. That's yeah. what I encourage all my children to yeah. get is a degree in something else. A plan B. A plan B. A, a plan yeah, just yeah, a plan. Just a plan. Just a plan. Especially yeah. that through that period in life. Yeah. Well, things just get real, yeah. real lost. It's a good anchor. Yeah. Mm. Do you remember your first stand-up experience? The first time you actually stood up and, and told a joke yeah, in front in, of a paying audience? I was in I was in a duo originally. The Cactus Brothers. The Cactus Brothers. Yeah. Very convincing act. Yeah. So we, so we started doing, and I, I was too scared to speak. I wouldn't speak at all. I'd just move. So I would mime <laughs> lyrics to songs, <laughs> you know, he'd sing and we'd sing together, I'd do crazy movements. So we would do, uh, you know, like any festival, you sort of, well, you know, street work, you, you do, sorry, you do, um, you might have a 30 minutes of material, then you realise what works, then you create a 10 minute bit, then that's where yeah. you form the crowd and the crowd check their money and they move away. Yeah. You move to another spot, you do it again, rinse and repeat. So I did, we did that for a while and I thought, then a mate of mine, um, no, so I'd got my first, sorry, it was at the Celtic Club, which was in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was friends of a friend's who were having a little party. I said, do you want to, we'll give you 60 bucks to come down and, and do 60 bucks, good money, no, 82, end of 82, this was. So 30 bucks each, boom, yeah. yeah, we're there. Yeah. So we did our 15 minutes and because it was family and friends, everyone laughed and Cash in had hand. a good time. Cash, yeah. cash is king. Um, and then, uh, and then went to, um, and then sort of didn't do any for a bit because we, then we, so this is the hook into the club scene. A friend of mine from school, who was a daggy guy, super skivvy wearing, just imagine the daggiest person on earth, yep. used to sit in his room and impersonate the noises that trams and buses made. Okay. <laughs> he decided <laughs> off his own bat to go to a comedy club yeah. and do those noises. And wow. he said, he'd just get up on stage and go, okay, here's the number 72 tram crossing Camberwell Junction. And he'd go, whatever the noise was. And he'd go, wow, that's exactly the noise. And he'd go, here's another, here's the 1962 bus going up the hill in, you know, Baldwin. You know, so he'd do all this, all this. And it was like, they're all spot on. Yeah. And he, his big finisher was the trams used to make a noise when they're idle, this really weird whoop, 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 noise. And he'd do it in sort of in his throat. And it was just bang on. And people yeah. would go, wow. <laughs> idling tram <laughs> and I thought oh man if he can do this so he yeah. would do all that so he just opened this little world for me there was Catch a Rising Star there's three or four clubs in Melbourne he did them on, on a loop just wow. kept going the whole year by the end of the year he bought a second hand car and went if he can do it I can he's do it he's living the dream yeah, he's, yeah that's and he's right. just doing noises <laughs> he's doing crazy house noises <laughs> so we just uh, got together and took our little actor we had on from the busking we took it inside and got booked yeah, and right. the guy who booked me the first guy who's on the sound and the lights of the tiny room called The Joke was the guy who ended up producing Catherine King, Rick, Rick McKenna. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Because so I imagine once you sort of, you commit to that world, um, it's a lot of the same people. It's a fairly small community. Oh, especially back right? then. Yeah. Super small. So I was, so who were, who were your contemporaries then that, because I, I have seen recently on a, on a show that featured Judith Lucy, she talked about um, time she spent with you at a club, I think in, in Fitzroy. 
Yeah, and that'd the time, be, that'd be the know, nice laugh, yeah. the joke, same kind. Yes, yeah. yeah. So Judith arrived on the scene probably late 80s, early 90s, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, so I'd been around by six, seven years by then. Yeah. And um, it was, so I was working with uh, Glenn Robbins, who had started yeah. prior to me. Yeah. So, you know, what a career he's had, amazing. Um, Gina Riley, all the Kath and Kim people started yeah. all within two or three years of each mm. other. Same with Rob Stitch and the, the yeah. DGN crew. They all started, they came in 84. Yeah. Magda Spansky, all that. Um, Rob, Mark Downey, all those brilliant. So do you remember those people as kids almost? Yeah, we're all up young. We're all cutting young. Cutting their teeth. Early 20s. Yeah. So they're all university studying to be doctors and lawyers or whatever. They yeah. Are. And their union review was, the, the venue we worked in in Melbourne, which was a really great venue, decided it had lots of shows coming in from outside. So Circus Oz would do their shows in this cabaret venue. So there was, yeah. there was cabaret in your head back then was like, you know, you know, can-can dances or, mm. you know, some weird, that was more avant-garde. It was like yep. Melbourne's grooviest sort of cabaret sort of site. Yep. And upstairs was a comedy room. So it had a real mixture of people. So anyone who was anyone, Shane Bourne um, was, was well and truly dug into the scene by then. Uh, Trevor Marmalade used to be on the football show. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was starting at the same time as I did. Um, oh, everybody, everybody. Yeah. Wendy Harmer, Richard Stubbs, yeah. we're, we're all the same ilk. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but, and no one knew it. But it was a really fertile, yeah. creative time when we just sort of pushed each other along. Mm. And then it all tipped into TV and mm. way it went. Yeah. So you're still teaching at this point? Uh, I, no, I didn't ever taught. I taught full-time uh, whilst I was teaching because right. my, my supervisor, his wife had an accident. <laughs> so I took over his <laughs> curriculum. So I knew what it felt like to do six classes right. a day, seven that days was a day. I went, wow, this I'm is not, not doing for me. that. <laughs> That's really hard. Everyone's mean to me. <laughs> and I was at night time, everything. Oh, we're a funny guy. This yeah. is great. So like I say, like I said before. That was your toughest audience. Yeah. Oh, kids in the classroom. St still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Cruel, mean, unforgiving. Yeah. Oh, year eight, year nine. You yeah. can keep them. That's mean. Um, tell me um, then how the, how the comedy company came about. Sort of, we're fast forwarding now to the late 80s. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, people who were watching TV at that time, yeah. I mean, so many of them were watching the comedy company. It was massive, wasn't it? It was huge. So before the internet, we only had, yeah. well, Perth had three TV stations. Over yeah. Here. Channel 10 wasn't here yet. Yeah. And we were on Channel 10 in right. Melbourne. Yeah. So in 1987, uh, yeah, so I finished my course in 87. I know we got finished So 88. And I was like the big, I was a good headliner on the comedy circuit. And so I got offered uh, the comedy company, a fast forward and the big gig all within one week. So right. I could, I could, wow. I got my choice to, I got to choose which show. Would, and the comedy company had, had its first really big year on the, on the East coast, which had gone mad. It was, was doing footy finals ratings. It was mm. huge. I remember it. And, yeah. um, and so I went, I'll go on the comedy company because <laughs> yeah. it was a, a huge audience and I'd never been offered $2,000 a week. Yeah. $2,000 a week? You're kidding me. And uh, so I just rolled onto that and um, and I really had a hard time because I, uh, so I came across to Perth actually because we were launching Channel 10 and comedy company was on 10. So I came over to Perth, which was my second taste of Perth. And um, uh, anyway, so I, I did an article in the newspaper uh, in Melbourne, in the Sunday press, saying, I thought some of the sketches might have been a bit long, you know, just just as an audience member, just yeah. stating what I thought. That didn't go down real well <laughs> on the first day at work. Mark Mitchell didn't talk to me, um, who was con the fruiterer. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the head writer, Doug McLeod, not having a bar at me. <laughs> um, Russell Gilbert's going, what you say it for, the paper? <laughs> Keep your mouth shut, mate. Everyone's really crossing you. I said, oh. And so I was going on air, 
and everyone's going, so you do a bit. So there's, there's the live studio section where you do your bit. And I was, I was doing like um, uh, the weekend news kind of thing, which opened yeah. the show. And I was terrible at it. So I'm mm. auto cue for me was like, I, I practiced at it when I'm nice and relaxed, not a problem. When you, when it's live and it's rolling, the faster you go, the faster the auto cue goes. <laughs> and I have a tendency to go fast anyway. So it's just going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just missing jokes, missing jokes, missing jokes, and just like it was terrible. And so I'd come, you had to walk then out to the green room and all the, everyone's out there and everyone's just doing the old yeah. <laughs> treatment. It was all good. <laughs> and so uh, it was, and I, so when, I, when you're watching it back and you know the whole country is watching it yeah. and you're hopeless, <laughs> think, oh, that's bad. So every time you go out, you think everyone's going, oh, he's a, He's not funny, that guy. <laughs> so you sort of carry that with you. Yeah. So that made that first six months of really intense you mm. know, celebrity or you might, you know, whatever that means, you know, the, mm. that sort of Aussie celebrity thing, uh, really awkward. Yeah. And then, then fast forward happened and I'd be at a club and they'd go, oh, fast forward's better than your show. Your show's <laughs> hopeless. You're not funny. <laughs> I just really get in your grill. Like you really wanted to be surrounded by beautiful girls. You either yeah. got surrounded by people saying you weren't funny or just blokes trying to tell you jokes. <laughs> just having <laughs> just a <talk>. crack. <laughs> yeah. Worse than the classroom. <laughs> yeah. um, just before we get to the, to the break, as you reflect on that sort of time, you know, late 80s, the world was a different place. Australia was a different place and comedy seemed different i mean the stuff that you were doing then do you think back now and and go there's no way we'd be able to get away with that now uh, some of the stereotyping um, for instance oh as in the con the stuff. well it, as an example yeah would you get away with con the these days yeah probably not you'd probably get no. a greek boy to do a greek person yeah. to do it yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean or italian yeah so you um look maybe not i mean i i find all this stuff really hard because mm. I, I go we're a 7 30 Time slot. It was a yeah. family show. So we, we weren't being bawdy. We were being, yeah. we're just commenting on the suburbs. We're commenting. Yeah. But it was, you know, white people yeah. taking on all the role. I did blackface. I was doing, I remember doing Millie Vanilli. Because <laughs> remember, Millie Vanilli yeah. were, they were yeah. lip syncing. Miming. Yeah. Yeah. Miming. Yeah. So we did a sketch on that. So I got full blackface <laughs> outside the Kellogg's well, Hall. Pretty sure a... you wouldn't be able to do that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I don't think it was that funny either. But, anyway, so, you know, double whammy. But, yeah, so, no, there's lots of changes like that. I yeah. Mean, there's lots of, you know, that, that's that moment on Hey Hate Saturday when, like someone did blackface and who was there? The Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. said, whoa, 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 it's gone down. Yeah. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah. What do you mean we can't do that? This is Australia, mate. We yeah. do anything we want. And others have tried since and it also went down quite badly then. So Sure did. Yeah. Um, let's take a break. More of your uh, your career after that. Lots of different uh, TV shows. And, of course, we're building up to Kath and Kim as well. Uh, we might have a little clip to play you as well just to uh, take you back down memory lane, Pete. This is Inspiring Stories. Pete Rosethorn is our special guest. Back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. I thought I might chase the sun this year, though, so I thought I'd chuck the family in the car and drive them across the Nullarbor to Perth, from Melbourne to Perth, you know, some 3,000 k's. If you're thinking of chucking your car in the car and going across the Nullarbor, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Day one, pretty good in the car. Hey, this is great. Whoa, mountains, beautiful kitties. Look at it, fantastic. Ooh, cows. Hey, kids. <laughs> this is great. Day two. Kids a tree. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> Day three. Oh, come on. 
something frickin' happen. <laughs> Someone come the other way, that'll be good. A kangaroo jumped out, I'm thinking, oh, I've forgotten how to turn my car. <laughs> Finally, I see a corner, yes, a corner. You beauty, here it comes, guys, here it comes. Around we go now, around we go. <laughs> Mirage. <laughs> Uh, that was <laughs> some of your stand-up work. That was Pete, a while from, ago. That's 2004. Okay. Still well, you do that bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I have lost a lot of those lines. Yeah. I've got a couple of new ones in there. But yeah. um, It's evolved. It's evolved. And um, I'm slower, much slower than I was. I mean, though it's really quite gabbled most of that. I think it was on telly. Was it on telly? Yeah, it was on Channel 9, one of the Channel 9 ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but um, anyway, fun. Live um, TV. Scary. Tell us uh, what, you know, what brought you to, to Perth. Because, right. I mean, there's a lot going on in Melbourne and, and you know, we'd love to play up the rivalry, but you have to say there's probably a more, more active comedy scene in Melbourne oh, uh, than there would have been in Perth, yes? Yeah, there was. <laughs> there was. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. That, but um, So I fell in love with the Perth girl over yeah. in Melbourne. And, yeah. Uh, we got pregnant. And, and when up. she said you were from, she was from Perth, yes. you go, damn it, I'm moving there, aren't I? It was weird. Because I, I, we met, we met, we married quite quickly. Yeah. So uh, we met in 91, and I had a gig over here with Richard Stubbs, actually, at the Regal. Right. And I was staying at the Pan Pacific, and I went Look for a you. walk, because I went to the Wacker yeah. for a walk. And I was walking through Queen's Gardens there. Yeah, I'm lovely. thinking to myself, I could live here. This yeah. is a pretty place. This yeah. is a very quiet city. I quite like the vibe. Yeah. And so um, we had our first child in 1994, and moved over, because she was very close to her family. Mm -hmm. And uh, we bought a house in Rivervale, pre-tunnel. <laughs> pre the pot, pre Polly's pot, thinking this will go up this area, this will yeah. go through the roof. Oh yeah, not really. <laughs> Stayed pretty much the same for quite a long time. But uh, I quite I like living there. And then um, we stayed for four years, four or five years. And then school kicked in. Yeah. And I became. And we had two children by then. And I and I was doing Rocky Horror Show through when they were little kids. So I was on tour a lot. But so we'd all go together. We'd stay in hotels for four months at a time. And yeah. you know it was great fun. Yeah. Touring around the country, doing a musical, coming back to Perth when we weren't doing it. And, um, it was a really good lifestyle. And then school starts, so there's no work here for me that's constant. So I had to, I was like a firefighter, spent two weeks on the East Coast in Tarago vans with other comedians and come mm. back and sit on my bum for another two and go back over and do it all again with someone else. And it was kind of, it was, and I wanted, I didn't want to miss my kid's childhood that mm. much. So on the back of that, we moved back to Melbourne. And I was I was really starting to struggle too. I was doing a lot of footy clubs and you know just trying just trying to make ends meet. It was a struggle, yeah. and um, and then uh, Kath and Kim popped up. So Kath and Kath and Kim happened uh, just as I'd got back, and well the idea of it anyway of being mooted. And then I'd done a show called Certified Male, which was also really popular up in Melbourne and Sydney, and came across to Perth and did a big season at the Regal, which is holds records for crowd numbers and stuff. Yeah, and then we're back and. Uh, and then Kathy Kim started and just threw me into this, threw me into the world, the corporate world yeah. of stand-up comedy because yeah. everyone wanted a, a, someone from the cast. Yeah. They wanted, you know, Kath and Kim to do their function or Kel or <laughs> no one would do it. Glenn Robbins, not a chance. It scares the life out of me. Really? No, I just not like doing private functions because they're brutal. You know what they're like. Yeah. They haven't come to see people. They haven't come to laugh. They've come to watch wards or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so you're suddenly there and they go, what are you doing here? And you sort of got to prove yourself and it's yeah. really tough so uh and the girls refused to do any of that stuff and is that Mag, right mags and they got offered huge money imagine. for things oh my god they got off to do the face of kmart no um they got offered a gig to go to um hayman island for bmw not filmed 
no, let's just go to Hayman Island to launch a car for BMW for a quarter of a million bucks. What? And they turned it down. Wow. How much money are they making out of that series? <laughs> just did my head in. Wow. I was like, what? I'd go for a grand. <laughs> so they didn't really even have to perform. No. Just be, them, well, no, be their just, alter what egos. They've, what they've always done, we'll probably talk about Kathy a bit more in a minute, was protect their brand incredibly well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so uh, Kath and Kim, and so the corporate work started to come to me. So then instead of getting Glenn Robinson, you know, they go, we've got, well, from Brittany. Kath and Kim, really early on, especially when it was very popular, hey, we've got a Kath and Kim cast member, the place is going bananas. Yeah. It's Brittany. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, it's not a funny one, but that's right. Because I had stand-up, I could, I could had something to do. I could at least be funny for 20 minutes. Yeah. Or three or however the long, whatever long you know, amount of time they wanted me for. Um. But anyway, so that threw me into this world. So that that put me into a, in a position. Uh, once I'd finished all the Kathy Kim stuff and done a million other things, I could get, live kind of anywhere. So I just drove him back to Perth. I'll never, I can stay forever now. Yeah. I love it. I'm not going anywhere now. Yeah, beautiful. Um, long suffering character, old Brady, wasn't yeah. he? I think people always, you know, they had a soft spot for you because. I could see how much pain you were in. Kind of, but I reckon I was the audience. That's what yeah. I think. I think my character was the audience. So because yeah. I just look at them and go, oh, it's a freak show. Yeah. I'd be terrified most of the time. Yeah. So um, I kind of figured I was just the most normal character in there. Yeah. I was, I know I was placid and I was sort of henpecked and all that sort of stuff. And that was my vibe. And yes, not too far from real life to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, uh, uh, it, it was just a, uh, it was just a nice character. I really liked yeah. it. I felt I thought I was doing the most acting in there of everyone. Everyone else had this big, mm. bigness to them. Mm. When it was better, kind of over the top personas. Yeah, yeah, I was the most level level headed of yeah. most of them. And then yeah. all the other characters, all the other guest characters, come in. Yeah, that thing. It was a great show to be on. It was and amazing. Can you remember the you know the, the the phone call or the conversation that started it all? I mean, obviously at that point you wouldn't have had any idea what a a legendary series it would become. No, can no, you remember no. where it, it sort of? was first put to you, this idea of a Kath and Kim show? Yeah, it came via, um, oh, actually I had a weird agency at the time. It came via an agency and um, I just started with. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, I know all those people. So I went and did the audition and they'd always, because I'd done Rocky Horror Show with Gina and I'd yeah. know, as I said before, I'd known each other for years and years. Yeah. And so I was a bit of a, a bit of a star, but because the Kath because ABC wanted a normal actor to do it, like a proper actor. Yeah. And, and the girl said, no, we want a comic actor to do it. And so they, the ABC had a fight. And the ABC, so they auditioned 100 actors. And the girl said, no, 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 do it. Brand of things, so got back to me again. We went, him. So it was between me and Marty Sheargold, who's the radio presenter. Yeah. So we were the last two standing. And uh, I ended up getting it. Yeah, so, nice. and then we went in and, and uh, the series was made under duress because ABC wouldn't, wouldn't make it for years. It sat at the ABC for six years before they made it. Is that right? Yeah, because they refused. They said it wasn't going to work. What, just script sitting there gathering dust? <laughs> Jeff Portman, who was the head of comedy and entertainment then, he put uh, Mother and Son together. Yeah. So that was a great series, another iconic series like Catherine Kim was. And um, he kept on saying, no, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. But I have examples of it. Cause they did, they did, it was originally a sketch on Big Girl's Blouse, a mm. show from Channel 7 in 1992. So they knew what it looked like, but they, he just couldn't envision it as a, Long over running, long running sort of you know sitcom, and so anyway, it finally got on after many many rewrites. And well, Channel Ten said they wanted it, and then ABC said you can't. It's contracted to us, and there was a legal battle, and ABC won, and they said, all right, we'll finally do it. So we put it on, and then it went. It just took. And you, when we would do it, so because it had been in the system so long, the girls were worried that it wasn't funny anymore. So the drama department made it 
that's how it got on. The drama department said it's a narrative, so we'll make it. If you're not going to make it, you know, comedy entertainment department, we'll do it. So that's when it when it took off, and it and started winning all the drama awards. So Secret Life of Us was a really popular show, but Kevin yeah. Kim beat it for the best drama. They're going, hey, go on. No, that's not in the wrong category. Yeah, AFI with a drama award. <laughs> no, no, go on. You know, so it was really strange. Won writing awards in AFIs and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was amazing. So, so when you make something and you tippy-toe yeah. around it and you sit at home with your family and you watch it go to air and you go, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, you, then the second one goes out and then you start, people start going, oh, I like a show. You know, yeah. I saw it in that show. It's a good show. Yeah. And then by the time... The second end of the second series was around, I think the end of the second series, I think the audience was close to 2 million, the last episode. Yeah. And the last episode of the final series of Channel 7, there was it was 2.5 million. You wouldn't get anything like that now. No. That's, I mean, they're sort of grand final or Australian yeah. Open final type audiences. Yeah. And, and that's still considered yeah. a cult yeah. program. It's not considered like, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's been on pretty much all the networks. Yeah, it has. Now, isn't it? Yeah. Saying before about the girls protecting their brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just before we get to a break, though, I mean, looking back, how did Kath and Kim just change your world? I mean, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have been able to go into an oh. electronics shop and found that without getting mobbed, <laughs> no, would you? Go anyway. <laughs> to this day, I just teenage girls love it now because their mothers have got you know who originally watched getting it, nostalgic uh, and putting it on teenagers yeah. then are yeah. showing their teenagers now. It's crazy. It's twenty years ago. It's yeah. started. So it's just been an incredibly. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I just my association with such a beautiful program. I'll I'll be forever grateful I, I got it and was yeah. in it and I wasn't paid a lot to do it but I've got a lot of work off the back of it yeah and, uh, that's been it's been fantastic the gift that keeps on giving it is we need to take a break Pete Rosson is our special guest we'll be back with more in a moment you're listening to inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. If I'm going to get pregnant, you're going to have to take those jeans off. What? Here? But they're too tight. And you can't wear jockets, you'll have to wear boxes. There's nothing wrong with me, Kim. No, no, naughty girl, no. You're going to make a top mum, kid. I know. Coochie girl, coochie girl, come here. Sit. You love your bread, don't you, coochie? You love your bread? You love your bread, coochie? You love your bread? You love your Kim? You love your Kim, coochie? Coochie, you love Kimmy? Stupid dog, we're getting rid of her once we have a baby. You know that, don't you, Brett? <laughs> uh, welcome back to Inspiring Stories. That was, of course, uh, Pete Rosethorn, a.k.a. Uh, the long-suffering uh, Brett Craig and his beloved Cujo. I would have been excited that day. Have you stayed in touch with Cujo? Cujo's passed on. Oh, no. His name was Polo. We had a few Cujos. There was four of them. <laughs> yeah. There was four of them in the first series and got nailed down to two in the second and we finally settled on one. His name yeah, was Polo. Right. But he'd be, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I suppose it's it's been a while, hasn't it? Sure has. How old would uh, Ebony Ray be? Ebony Ray would be... Uh, she'd be a teenager she now, she? season yeah, she'd be a teenager. She'd yeah. be getting married. She'd be, be a college. nightmare. She'd be a full Collie Minogue now. <laughs> <laughs> she would be an absolute nightmare, wouldn't she? Um, Kath and Kim, of course, we've spoken about that um, now. Let's 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 move on from that. But um, as you say, it's, it was a life-changing uh, experience for you. Um, in between uh, the comedy company and, and that, of you know, there were other TV shows and, and movies that you did. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, completely different formats and required different skill set from you was it was there one in particular that you found 
you know, particularly rewarding or exciting or that you're, you know, in terms proud of, of above the others? In, yeah, in terms of that body of work, I'm sorry I'm glossing yeah, over it. Yeah, no, that's no, nuts. Time's there's not there's on our side. There's but, a lot of rubbish. Um, you know, crackers, for instance, <laughs> bad <laughs> eggs, takeaway. So um, crackers, was, yeah. Yeah, crackers was great. It was my first feature film. I've never had a lead in a feature room. Feature film since, but it was really my mate Dave Swan. He, he we made a short film based on my family. Yep, and uh, which won an AFI for the best short film of that year in 1989. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Right, I'm going to do my feature next year." And it took him ten years to get his feature up, which was Crackers. And um, Howard Warren Michelin, do you remember Alf yep. Garnet? Yeah. So he and he was a complete tool. Oh, he was right. so mean, <laughs> so mean, so so stingy. Kept on talking about his orgies from the sixties, really revolting. Uh, but he was a, he was just hard work. But the film itself we came out about six months after the castle, and the castle was huge, obviously. Yep. But it, I think people may have felt it was some sort of copycat movie. Yeah, yeah chalk and cheeses movies. This happened to be Australian and about family. So um, it's a great film if you ever see it at the yeah. DVD shop, and no one's ever seen it before. <laughs> it's got plenty of laughs, and it's really funny. Um, but um, Show business like that, you can you can do something uh, sort of off Broadway. It might be a play. Like I did, I did some pretty good work in the Tempest for MTC. Um, I did a couple of great plays here um, for Black Swan, which is a mm-hmm. beautiful theatre company. Um, and uh, I did um, laughter on twenty th- laughter on the twenty third floor, which was a really great role for me here. Mm. So those sort of things stand out for me as a performance thing, mm. uh, especially in the theatre. Yeah, I just love, I just love it because you yeah. get a sense of teamwork and you get to work with other people, and it's sort of short space of time, so you get to, it's it's very intense yeah. working process. Yeah, which I really really enjoy a lot. And and post Kath and Kim, you had a, a pretty good run on um, Can We Help as well, <laughs> which is ABC. which is quite a. <laughs> Quite a serious show at times. It was. Yeah. It taught me how to present because I was yeah. terrible. I think some of the original uh, presenting uh, attempts from that show were on YouTube uh, under the thing of bad presenting. Did bad you find presenters. you had to, you were needing to suppress your instincts to, to be the funny guy and, and, uh, and lighten the mood? Yeah, I was terrified because I had auto cue again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> so, I, and it was also because it was audience driven. I can't, the concept was a great concept. So, I was sitting on the ABC, the ABC studios here weren't being used. So I think they had the pet show with Johnny Young in there. And I still don't think they get a they, lot yeah, of news, yeah. So it was just us in there. And we do, we got, we ended up, by the second year, we were taping uh, 40 episodes in um, four sittings. So I'd do five one day, five the next day, fly out, come back, uh, you know, four months later. So therefore I'm not seeing what's the stories that are going to air. Yeah. So I have to say, was that a sad, was that a sad one? <laughs> yeah, it was sad. It's a sad story. So, coming up next. <laughs> Trying time. Yeah. So, coming up next. <laughs> so, we had fun like that in there. Yeah. But, but I got much more relaxed as time went on. So, six years was amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's quite a good run. It was for in, ABC, 6.30 in, in Fridays. In terms of television series yeah. these days. I think, I think we were peaking at uh, five and a half, like half a million was our audience base when yeah. it was really going well. Then it dropped away, getting yeah. back down to coming off the back of yeah. something else at 280. In more recent times, people might remember you from your work in the jungle on uh, the reality show. I'm yes. a celebrity, get me out of here. What were you thinking when that phone call came in? Well, okay. You think, I'm <laughs> good call. Yeah, yeah I'm, well done. I'm going to do this. <laughs> sure. Sure, why not? I'll go and eat some hyena testicles. Why not? I see for years I turned down programs like that. Yeah. Uh, Dancing with the Stars. Turned that down six times. <laughs> Is that right? Yep. I turned down uh, uh, Celebrity Apprentice twice. No, not happening. Yeah. Terrible show. Not going to do that. 
I got turned down the very first series. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I've never seen it. So what is it? They describe it. So that sounds awful. Yeah. No thanks. That's hideous. I got offered the fourth season, which was my season, that one. Yeah. And it coincided with quite a large tax bill. I said, tell you what, I'd love to do that program. I can't wait to get in there and eat some zebra testicles. Yeah. <laughs> so off I went <laughs> under duress. And you seriously had tax bills to yes, clear. I that did. was, that yeah, was yeah. your motivation. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So I said, I, my family going, please don't do it. If you don't do that program, I said, well, you pay the tax bill. There's our quest. There's our query, guys. Let's get it done. So I went over there and I kind of loved it. I found it really, um, I loved the fact that you, you were, weren't, couldn't be contacted. Yeah. I, I'm dropping weight. I was getting fit. Dan Green was you were, Danny Green was in there. You guys formed Josh a, Gibson, a real friendship. Shannon yeah. Nolsey, he was, yeah. he, he was trying to get fit. Nothing to do except, you know, lift rocks yeah. and um, hopefully you get Chin some food that the, night. Chin ups on the trees. Yeah, yeah. So I felt great when I came out. <laughs> so and there was no real bad people in there. Just you're living, you're camping with people you've never met before. And that no matter what. A bunch of humans are together. There's going to be a couple that are going to push your buttons. Yeah. Jackie Gillies was our one. Mm-hmm. And she made me put into the cast as the agitator, and she nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> she did Just it. to refresh people's memory, she's a, well, let's say she's a colourful character. She's from the Melbourne Housewives. Uh, yes, that's right. That's where mm. people might know her from. But she's very much into uh, sort of new age. Shine, shine, shine was the catchphrase. Um, so, yeah, spiritualism. Spiritualism. Yeah, she yeah. likes to contact, the, um, you know, she. Crystals, mediums. Yeah, all that. The you know, wants to read, does readings of... for you, which is yeah. a good way to kill time. Yeah. You want to read it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Read me. That'd be but, great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, quite volatile. Yes. Just, quite volatile. Yeah, feisty. But also, to a credit, call a spade a spade. Mm. You're confronted on something. I think one day we were, Fiona and Lachlan and I were, were doing her dance. We're sort of, she mm-hmm. has a head rock, hippie, hippie style movement when there's ever music played. She'd do that. So there's music playing. Fiona and I were sitting there doing her dance. She said, you doing me? We went, like two little kids caught. Yes, uh-huh. sorry. Yeah. Mm, okay. Whatever. <laughs> It's me. Yes, it was me. Sorry. But anyway, so we'll, you turn into kids. You turn into, you know, I, I look back at, I never watched it all back, but I watched back the bit. I couldn't believe I was kicked off. I wonder what happened. Yeah. And they said, well, this is what happened. You said this. Yeah. I went, oh, that's, that's poor form. Yeah. I called her a poo head or something. And something yet Danny pathetic. Green. Danny Green was, was getting Danny. stuck into a left, right and center, but <laughs> everyone expected it from him. Yeah, they that, didn't expect it from you. No, that's right. Yeah. I don't know that that was the reason I was kicked <laughs> off. Because the the day I, I don't know if we've got enough time, but the day I'll be fast. The day I was kicked off was called the kick in the dick day. So it was the day your family weren't going to come meet you on the outside. And uh, so I was off. And oh, But I'd been polling so high, they presumed I was going to be in the top three yeah. and possibly win it. So my family were already out. So I got five days with my family going on safari, staying in a beautiful five-star resort. I would never pay for that holiday. Too much of a tight ass. <laughs> Had the best time courtesy of silver know, lining. production. It was total silver lining. Yeah. It was amazing fun. Uh, so I have great memories of all that. And, and you struck up a beautiful friendship as well with um, with the eventual winner, Fiona O'Loughlin, as well, yes. which we don't really have time for. Pete, I've, we're almost out of time. I haven't even left time to get stuck into you about being a Hawthorne fan. No, don't um, but in terms of, I mean, as you are a professional comedian and all those other things, yeah. um, I imagine, you know, you, you still have a fairly short-term schedule that you work for. What, what, what else would you like to do in your, your life, in your career? Um, you know, given, you never know what's around the corner. No, that's right. I'm 58. Yeah. I got my truck driving license at the start of the year, <laughs> yeah. which is always because of the COVID thing. Yeah. I've got a bit of a fright. But um, You haven't driven a truck yet, though, Not yet, no, no. But I can drive. On the horizon. Everyone's out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Synchromesh, 16 gears. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, um, 
I, I've met a friend of mine who's who's an alcohol, alcohol distributor, yep. and we're going to invent a beer. Oh, good. That's not so been that's, done that's before. That's my first. Okay. You I wait. Think, I think craft beers might be the future, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he just shot me down. Oh, but geez. 58 and still doesn't really have a plan. Thank you, Pete. That's a nice way to end it. Showbiz. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks you for, for coming in and, and sharing your story. We do appreciate it. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR uh, on this occasion with the one and only Peter Rosethorn. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring... When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.